So last week we began a series of studies and the subject is the church, its life and purpose. And as I mentioned, we're doing this uh, in conjunction with the launching of our uh, community life ministry, our, our uh, home groups that are going to be coming up, uh, getting started here in mid-October. But I said something last week in the, as we began the service that I want to uh, repeat today because it's, it's kind of um, what we're trying to communicate here. Uh, but I said this, if our idea of church is limited to attending the Sunday morning gathering or a midweek Bible study or the weekly prayer meeting, as good as all of those things are, and they're really good. But if, but if our understanding of church is limited to that, then we are inevitably going to fall far short of what God intends uh, for us in our Christian life. And so what we want to make sure that we're doing in this series is getting an understanding of just what it is that God does intend so we can make sure that we are uh, fulfilling his intended purpose for us. So the passage that we read together, here in the passage, as you can see, Paul uses the human body as a picture of what the church is like. And he refers to, he talks about the human body, but then he talks about the body of Christ. So we are the body of Christ and we also see that there is one body, yet many members or many body parts is what Paul is really talking about here. And what we see then is that the body will only function at its optimum capacity if each part of the body fulfills its purpose. We also see that each part of the body has an unalterable dependence on the other parts of the body for growth. So all of this means this, that if the individual members of the body do not function as they are intended to, both they and the whole body will suffer and experience a certain amount of deficiency resulting in a certain amount of inefficiency in the task of strengthening uh, itself for the glorifying of Christ in the world. So in other words, if, if we are not doing our part, making our contribution, fulfilling our role as various members of the body of Christ, the larger body of Christ and the purpose that God has through his church is going to be deficient. And so we, we have to recognize that we have uh, an obligation. We have a, a part to play. We are uh, playing a role in the overall picture of what God is wanting to do through his church. So there are a number of things, five things that I want to look at as we kind of... Uh, just sort of walk through this passage and then include a, a couple of other passages as well as we go along. But the first thing to note is, as Paul emphasizes here, that there is one body. There is one body. It seemed that the Corinthians had um, lost sight of that. And even in this 
congregation, or maybe it was a, a few congregations spread out throughout that city of Corinth, the ancient Greek city of Corinth, um, there, there were divisions that had developed. And there, it seems that they had lost the, the perspective that we're all one body. So Paul um, is reminding them of that. He also says something very similar in his letter to the Ephesians. In Ephesians chapter 4, he reminds his readers there that there is one body and one spirit, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of us all. This is something that I think we need to be reminded of over and over again, because we, we tend to forget that. We tend to oftentimes think just about our own um, situation, you know, so w when we think of the church, we think of the church that we go to. Sometimes we expand it beyond that. We think of the, you know, maybe the denomination or the movement uh, that, that we're part of as a church. So Calvary Chapel, we belong to a, a group of churches. We call it a, a movement. And uh, so we might think of it like that, but sometimes we forget that there's, uh, there's God's people out there uh, in all different kinds of denominations and movements and in all different parts of the world. And we need to keep that perspective. We need to understand that, that the body of Christ is universal. The body of Christ is spread out among every nation and every people and every uh, language and all, all, every ethnicity, all of that. And we have to keep reminding ourselves that we're part of this, this grand and glorious thing. We are one, as a congregation, we are one expression of it. And as an individual, I am one expression and aspect of it. But we're part of a uh, much larger thing. And it is one body. Jesus, in his prayer in John 17, we commonly call that the high priestly prayer of Jesus, he prayed in that prayer five times that we would be one as he and the Father are one. Jesus was in to Christian unity. Jesus wanted us to be one. But evidently, of course he did because he's God, he knows everything. He knew how challenging that was going to be. So he prays five times. Father, help them to be, help them to be one as we are one. And this has been one of the biggest battles and struggles that the church has ever faced, just maintaining unity. It seems that as Christians, we can get divided over anything and everything. And that's something that we have to resist, knowing that Jesus wants us to manifest unity because we are one body. He wants us to demonstrate that. He wants people to be able to see it. And as a matter of fact, Jesus linked that in that prayer. He continued to link the, the unity, the oneness to our testimony. He said, Father, that they may be one as we are one, that the world may know that you sent me. You see, when the world looks on and sees Christians that are all divided up against each other and arguing with each other and won't, won't associate with one another and, and all of that, the world looks on and says, wow, what, what is that? What a mess. Why would we want to be part of that? But Jesus said, when the world looks on and sees that there's a oneness, sees that we are functioning together as one body, 
He says the world's going to know, wow, Jesus is the Savior. God sent Jesus into the world. So first thing we see here is that there is one body. So there is a unity. Jesus is into unity, as I said. But it's not unity in the sense of uniformity. It doesn't mean that we're all exactly the same. It's unity in diversity. As Paul is telling us here, there's one body with many parts. There's one body with many parts. And the eye, the hand, the feet, the head, uh, all of them are different, intentionally so, but they need each other for the body to be complete. In verse 21, we didn't read that far, but in verse 21, Paul goes on and he says this. He says, and the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. And again, the head cannot say to the feet, I have no need of you. So there's an intentional diversity and we all need each other. You know, sometimes we, we don't appreciate diversity. Sometimes we're suspicious of diversity. Sometimes we think, oh, well, you know, they don't do it the way, the way we, we do it. So I, I don't know about them. I'm not quite sure about them. Um, you know, sometimes we might even take what is really more sort of part of our Christian culture and misinterpret it to be, you know, maybe more on the same par with the Bible and, and misjudge people. For example, you know, you might be talking to somebody and you might be expressing to them about, um, you know, your experience of accepting the Lord, saying the sinner's prayer or something like that. And you might be, you know, hey, you know, have you accepted the Lord? Have you said the sinner's prayer? And, you know, they might be, well, you know, I, I don't really know about that, but I, I believe that Jesus is the son of God and I, I love the Lord. And you're like, well, wait, wait a second though, but have, have you said the sinner's prayer? That's really the, the important thing here because, you know, unless you said the sinner's prayer, we're not quite sure about you. We're a little suspicious. But, you know, the reality is both people are talking about the same thing. But it's just different terminology. It's different language. It's, you know, in, in different aspects of the body, people kind of speak a little bit of their own. It's like a dialect. You know, they, they kind of speak their own dialect. I remember years ago doing a conference with a, a man in Britain who was uh, uh, come from a strong Pentecostal kind of charismatic background. And, you know, Pentecostal charismatic people, they kind of have their own dialect. They, they kind of speak a certain way as Christians, and they say things a certain way, and, and they even express themselves a certain way. And I'll never forget sitting there, and, you know, this guy gets up to, to speak, and I'm watching, I'm thinking, wow, this is really, this is definitely a Pentecostal charismatic presentation, but it's in uh, an English accent. That was kind of different for me. I hadn't heard that at that point. I hadn't experienced that. I've experienced that many times since then. But, uh, you know, it was like, wow, you know, he, he's coming from that, that Pentecostal culture, he's got the, the phrases and the movements and the emphases that, uh, you know, are often there, but it's just in a different accent. So all of that to say, diversity is not only welcomed or should not merely be tolerated, we must recognize it, this is God's intention. There are many body parts, and they're different. 
So in verse 21, Paul talks about the head, uh, the feet, the hands, the, the speaking, and so forth. You know, think about this. Every one of these things that he mentions here are vital to the overall witness of the of the church. I mean, so the head, think about the head for a moment. So we think about the head, we think about thinking, right? So, so we need to think as Christians, we need to understand theology, doctrine, and things like that, but we need more than that, right? We need a mouth to speak, we need hands and feet to put into action what the head is thinking and the mouth is saying, but sometimes we don't recognize that. Um, you know, and funny enough, I thought about this last service with the Corinthians, you know, they were sort of divided up uh, almost like in a, a sort of class kind of a thing. You know, there was like the, the intellectual class among them. They were in the land of philosophy. They were in Corinth, in Greece. And so they had a high priority on, on man's wisdom and the intellect and all of that. And it seems like they were neglecting or looking down upon those who didn't share in their, their passion for those things. But Paul is saying, no, look, you know, that's fine, but the head needs a mouth. Because you have all these great thoughts in your head, but you got to get them out. But then beyond that, it's not just good thoughts. You've got to put it into action. And, you know, sometimes this happens even in churches today where you know, sometimes people say, well, you know, I, I only want to learn from or listen to that person who has uh, uh, the intellectual um, attainment that I respect. Well, I don't, I don't really care what that guy has to say because, you know, he's, he's not as educated or whatever. And we start doing those kinds of things, not recognizing that, no, all of these things are complementary to one another. And anybody who's, especially in a role of pastoring, knows that you need all of these, these different giftings working together. Sure, we need the head, we need the thoughts, we need the right theology, doctrine, we need all of that kind of stuff. But we also need to speak it out, but we also need the hands and the feet to put it into action. And so rather than looking down upon the hands and the feet, we would just realize, no, these are absolutely essential to the overall mission of what we're doing, just like our human bodies, you know, um, maybe you're uh, an intellectual person. Maybe you just thrive on the, on that kind of thing, you know, thinking and dialoguing and all of that, and that's wonderful. But you know, I'm sure you really appreciate your feet as well. They get you from place to place, and you know, your hands that help you pick up your your cappuccino that you're drinking when you're philosophizing, and you know, all of that kind of stuff that's going on. So we don't despise any parts of our body, and we shouldn't in the church either. So we are different, and we are supposed to be, and we're called to embrace those differences and recognize that God uses all kinds of people. You know, sometimes when I'm talking uh, to people, and a lot of times it's younger people, you know, they, they're very passionate about... Um, maybe a certain person that they really admire in the ministry, maybe a preacher or a writer, and they've, they've really learned a lot from them. And, you know, they're so passionate and excited about that. They want to talk about them and everything, but then they, they kind of dismiss everybody else, you know. 
And I often find myself saying, well, okay, okay, look, I get what you're talking about. I understand that. I appreciate that, that guy too. But listen, don't dismiss this over here because God uses all kinds of people. And yes, this person is fantastic for you and you really connect with them and they're on the same level as you. But you know, there's a lot of people out there that would look at that and go, that doesn't make any sense to me. They need something much simpler. They, mean, they need something that's just, you know, very basic. And that's, God has designed it that way. You think of um, the difference, maybe just, you know, think about the difference, even in the biblical account in the New Testament, think about the difference between, say, Paul and Peter. Paul was an intellectual. He was an academic. He spent his whole life in a, in a university context. And which essentially, in the end, he was like a, you know, it was a professor. And Peter was not that. Peter was a fisherman. He was the, the working class, you know, kind of a guy. He was the blue collar guy. But they were both essential to the program of God's kingdom, and God used them both in their very unique ways, and they complemented one another and worked together, and that, that's the way God does things. So like the members of the body, God has made us all different, but we need each other in order to be complete. So we don't want to be despising or looking down upon or saying that, you know, well, hey, this, this part of the body is all we really care about. We want to recognize that the, the diversity is um, God's intention and it helps for the overall good and advancement of the cause of Christ. Thirdly, what I want us to see here is that each member has a specific task to perform. So each member has a specific, a specific task, just like you're human body. You know, we, we have many members to our human body. All of them have different things that they do. Some we're aware of, some we're not aware of. But the fact of the matter is, every member of the body has a different task to perform. Now, Paul, in writing to the Romans in the 12th chapter, he's talking about similar things to what he's talking about here. He's talking about the edifying of the body of Christ. He's talking about the gifts of the Spirit and things like that. And there he mentions six things that I want to just throw out to you. And then we'll probably come back and revisit this next week, the, the Romans 12 passage. But, but there Paul talks about prophesying, serving, teaching, exhorting, leading, and caring. Those are the things that he kind of highlights. And he's talking about there, you know, these are different gifts that God has given to his church. And if you just think about that list there for a moment, each one of these things are different, but each one of them contribute to uh, the larger picture. Prophesying is speaking forth God's word, but serving is something that um, is not really like prophesying in, in the sense of, you know, the verbal expression, but it's just getting down to doing the things that need to be done. And of course, in any ministry, you recognize that, man, the people that are gifted and appointed by God to serve, they are so essential to what's happening. 
you know, here we are gathered here this morning and, you know, I'm here speaking and teaching and, and prophesying and doing, you know, those kinds of things. But we have all kinds of servants that are also here doing a bunch of other things that, that this thing we're doing right now is sort of dependent on. And we are, we're so thankful for those servants. They are so necessary. But there's teaching and, and of course, the need for teaching in so many different areas of life and marriage and family and, uh, you know, business and relationships and all of those kinds of things. Some people are just gifted to communicate the truth in those areas. Then we have exhorting, which is um, like an encouragement or leading people who have vision and can kind of see where to go down the road. And then, of course, caring, compassion, reaching out to the afflicted, the suffering. So all of these things are possible giftings, callings uh, that, that we might have as God's people. And all of them are, in, in a way, what Paul's talking about here, the different uh, body parts, the different aspects or, or different functions of the body. So each member has a specific task to perform and fourthly, each member contributes to the overall function of the body. So we need to keep that in mind. We need to think probably like we don't normally think. We need to think about things like, well, what is, what, what is best for the church? What is best for the body of Christ? What is best for the overall purpose and plan of God uh, rather than what is best for me? Because oftentimes that's where we're at. We're thinking about what is best for me. So we're talking about in the series, we're, we're like I said, we're doing the whole series because of the, the community life, the home group thing that we're moving into. And uh, we're wanting to encourage you to, to get engaged, to move in that direction. But somebody says, you know, I don't really need that. That's not me. I'm not into that. I don't really need to, you know, connect with other people. I do that just fine. I don't, I don't need anything like that. See, that's the wrong way to look at it. It's not, do I need it so much? Although you really do need it, even though you think you don't. Uh, but it's, other people need what I have. Other people need the gift or gifts that God has given to me. And if I, if I hold back, if I am disengaged, then there's going to be a deficiency in the body because what my part that's supposed to be being done is not going to be done. So this is where we have to think about things beyond our own self and our own interest as just, you know, my own personal individual interest. This is just kind of, you know, it's very much ingrained in our culture that you just kind of think about yourself. And like I've said before, we can't bring that mentality into the church. We've got to leave that mentality out because um, over and over again, we're reminded that our priority is to think about others, just like Jesus did. He did not consider um, his own rights or prerogatives or those kinds of things. No, he humbled himself. So we're, we're to do likewise. So each member contributes to the overall function of the body, recognizing again that I have a part to play that is going to contribute to the bigger picture of what God is doing 
around the world. What God is doing through his universal body. You know, yesterday we had a memorial service here for uh, a sweet friend uh, of many of us, a gal named Marilyn Gibbs. And Marilyn spent 23 years on the mission field living between uh, Austria, Hungary, Romania, and the Ukraine. And as we were here yesterday and, um, you know, just talking, she went home to be with the Lord a few months back, but this was kind of her stateside uh, memorial. But, you know, as people are sharing, people that lived with her, worked with her, loved her, family members, and there, there was some video of, of some of, you know, the things that she was involved in. I, I was just looking at this one woman, and I was looking at all of the different lives that this one woman touched. And these, um, you know, she, she had a ministry. One of her real passion was uh, the gypsy communities throughout Eastern Europe and going into these gypsy communities and reaching out and loving these families and loving these children. And I, and I just thought, wow, this woman gave up her life to go live. And her, her, uh, her friend was telling a story about how in the wintertime, in order to you know, keep warm, they needed coal. And she would have to go out with a, like an axe, like a pickaxe, and she would have to uh, dig the coal out. And with every swing of the axe, she would say, I am a Southern California beach girl. I don't do this. <laughs> with every swing of the axe, that's what she would say. But she did it. And she kept doing it, and she did it all of her life. But, you know, I mean, my, my point is this, right? Yeah, California Beach girls don't do that stuff. But she did. How? Because she denied herself. She wasn't thinking about herself. She could have easily moved back and lived in Newport Beach. But, no, you know, although it wasn't as comfortable living in Romania, especially in the winters, or the Ukraine especially in the winters, there were people there. There were lives there that needed the touch of Jesus, and she was willing to be that hand of the Lord uh, and that, that voice of the Lord to minister to them. So, so again, we, we've got to get the bigger picture perspective on these things. Now, Paul tells us in his letter to the Ephesians, which we've already referred to, in that same fourth chapter, he gives us a picture, he gives us a description of how all of this really kind of works itself out. And let me read it to you. Ephesians 4, 15 and 16. This is what he says. He says, speaking the truth in love, we grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ, from whom the whole body, listen, joined and knit together by what every joint supplies according to the effective working by which every part does its share causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. You see the picture? Paul is saying, now this is how the church is edified. And the word edified, you know, means built up. This is how the church is strengthened. And of course, when the church is strong, the church is going to be effective. So how is the church strengthened? Well, notice the terms that he uses, joined and knit together, and then but by what every joint supplies. See, what he's describing there is, is 
life in proximity to one another. He's talking about closeness. Just like our bodies are one body, but many parts, but we're, we're all connected. All of our body parts are in proximity to, uh, they're here with us. And so if the church, the body of Christ is going to be what God desires it to be, there has to be this, this close thing that's happening. We cannot do this on our own. We're not intended to do it on our own. From the biblical standpoint, there's no such thing as a Lone Ranger Christian. And a Lone Ranger Christian is a person who just says, I don't need anybody else. I'm fine. I can do it myself. I got my Bible and I'll go to church and I don't, I don't need to get close to people. No, you do. And it says right here that you need to be joined and knit together and connected to the supply of the other joints and then to the effective working by which every part does its share. Man, if the church just became what God intended to be through the Spirit, things would be so much different. But, but this, is, this is our goal. This is what we're aspiring to. This is what we want to be. This is what God has called us to be. So again, but I have to put myself out for this stuff. I can't live in my own little isolated world and expect to ever grow to the extent that God intends me to personally, nor can I expect that the church is going to attain to what God intends it to be if, if the body parts are not engaging. I think we're living in a time when, I, seriously, I just think this is the probably one of the most important times in our history for the church to really be what God intended it to be, to really rise to the occasion, to really show the world that we are not what people think we are negatively, which there's a lot of negative public publicity out there, as you know, that we are a community that we, where we really do love each other with uh, we have a unity, but we understand and respect the diversity and all of those kinds of things that we could conceivably be a major factor in healing for our nation. You know, right now, we're just so fractured as a country. And who's going to put those pieces together? It seems like all of the voices are just causing more and more fracturing. But the church can be that voice and should be that voice that says, hey, we've got something going over here. We've got a community here of people who love each other. And we're not hung up on, um, you know, race. We're not hung up on um, social Status. We're not hung up on rich or poor, or, you know, those, those kinds of things. That's not even in our thinking process. We're, we're one body. This is, this is our time, I believe. It's, it's a time for the church to rise up. Now, we're talking about the, the, each member having a specific task to perform and, and all of those things. And, you know, maybe you're sitting here and you're saying, well, I hear that. I appreciate that. Uh, I just don't know what my part is. That's okay. That's okay. We, we can, we, that's fine to be there. A lot of people are there. A lot of people have been there. Where you don't want to be is like, I don't know what my part is and I don't care. 
I don't want to even find out because I'm already too busy and I can't get involved in anything else, you know. If you're too busy to get engaged in the very thing that God created you to get engaged in, then you're, you better rearrange your schedule on the other side. You better get rid of some stuff in your life that's keeping you back from the thing God made you for. So, but as I'm saying, maybe you're wondering, well, what is my, what body part am I? Listen, the Lord will show you. The Lord will show you. And as you just seek him, and as you take a step, as you put yourself out there, he, he will show you. He does that. And as here back in 1 Corinthians 12, Paul is talking about the spirit. He says, for by one spirit, we were all baptized into one body. And you see, this is the work of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit puts us in the body of Christ where he wants us to be. And he gifts us to do the things that he wants us to do for the place that he puts us in. And so as we just open up to him, as we seek him, and sometimes it's a matter of just, you know, having kind of a, uh, just a sense inside, like, you know, I think I ought to step out and, and do this. I think I ought to, uh, well, I need, I need to sign up for that home group. I need to go be part of that. And as you take that step and you do that, you discover in that context what it is that God actually has for you. Uh, sometimes it's, it's perhaps... Um, Something more like just, you know, a need arises and you just jump in and, you know, on kind of the spur of the moment thing, like, hey, well, I think I might be able to help with that. And you do help with it. And then you begin to realize that, wow, there's something more to this. There, there's something here. I feel the, the presence of God and the spirit of God moving me. But, you know, like I'm saying, the Holy Spirit will, will show you. And he does that in different ways. And sometimes it's not so obvious. See, right now you might be thinking, man, I don't really know what. I just can't, you know, I can't even imagine what part of the body I might be. Well, you know what? That's okay. Because as you just yield yourself to the Spirit of God, he will move you in the direction that he has for you. Sometimes people ask me this question, well, you know, Brian, how did you become a pastor? How did you get into the ministry? And I often respond with, well, listen, I didn't really try to do this. That, you know, being a pastor wasn't on my radar. Now, what was on my radar was serving Jesus. I wanted to serve Jesus. I wanted to do something for the Lord. I wanted to share the gospel with people. I wanted to disciple people. I wanted to do missions. I wanted to do things for the Lord. But pastoring never crossed my mind because at that stage in life, I only knew one pastor. That was Pastor Chuck. Pastor Chuck was 30 years older than I was. He was a you know, full-fledged, middle-aged man with a family and, and all of those kinds of things. I'm a 22-year-old young guy. And I'm like, you know, that's a pastor. I'm not that. So that just never really crossed my mind. But there was that desire to serve the Lord. And, of course, that, the, the call of God ultimately was for me to move into pastoral ministry. But what I tell people is, you know, I didn't so much seek it out as the Lord just sort of brought me along. And it just started with the desire, the desire to serve Jesus not knowing in the end exactly what that was going to look like. And, and listen, for some of you sitting here today, 
this is the way it's going to work. You have a desire to serve the Lord. You want to just do something for God. You, you don't know right now what that's going to end up looking like. But know this, it's going to be good because the Lord's going to take you and he's going to put you that, at that place in the body that he intended you to be in. So we're going to look more closely at just how we discover those gifts in our next teaching. But suffice it to say for now that the Spirit of God is the one who places us. So as we close, again, I want to go back to those words joined and knit together. You see, this is how we grow. That's how we are strengthened, and that's how we cultivate and spread God's love. We have got to get more and more connected. So, so glad that you are here on Sunday morning. Wonderful. So glad that you're coming out for the midweek study. Fantastic. So glad that you're here at the prayer meetings. Great. But make sure that you are getting engaged on a level where you're able to be in what Paul is describing here, a joined and knit together kind of a thing, where you're vulnerable, where you're, where you're with people, where you can share your, your struggles and your difficulties and people can pray with you because they love you and they understand you. And you, likewise, you do, you do that for them as well. And that's how the body gets stronger and stronger. And the stronger the body gets, the more effective it becomes. And so that's what we want to do. And of course, like I've said, um, you know, my desire as the pastor is that we would all be engaged in these groups. Um, but I recognize, you know, not, not everybody's going to plug into necessarily the community life thing, but we have the, the women's ministry that Stacy was sharing about earlier. And um, of course, they, they've been doing this for years. They, they have that that group connection. And these ladies are close to each other. They pray for each other. They love each other. They help each other out. They bring meals when meals are needed. And, you know, all, all that kind of stuff, especially in a church our size, that's, that's the thing we really need to function as the body. You know, somebody in this church can be sick and we never hear about it. We don't know anything about it. They're languishing away in the hospital. And then they're wondering, how come no pastors are coming to see me? Well, no, we, we don't know that you're there. But you see, when you get yourself in a group of 10 people or 12 people or 16 people or eight people or whatever, you know, everybody pretty much knows where you're at and what you're doing. And they know how to assist you and come to the, your aid when the needs are there and, and you know how to assist them. And this is how that, that knit together, joined and knit together and supplying those things. And then this creates an environment. So then you're at work and you, you know, there's somebody there and they're struggling and you say, hey, you know, why don't you come with me? I've got this group of friends and we get together and we talk about the Bible and we pray together. And you know, there you have an opportunity. So as we, as I said last week in closing, as we get engaged, these things begin to really develop in our lives. We personally get stronger, the church gets stronger, and the church's witness becomes more powerful in the community. And that is a great need of the hour. So Lord, help us, we pray, 
to recognize that there is one body. Help us to embrace Christian unity as you prayed for it, Jesus. But help us also, Lord, to realize that there are many members and we are one of the members. Every one of us are a body part. And you have a specific place that you want to put us in the body and have us functioning there for the overall uh, glory and purpose of your church. So guide us into that, we pray in Jesus' name, amen.